0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peas, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shojai.
2: Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're talking about animal communicators. And actually, uh, there is an Erica Alexander, an animal communicator, who has a show on Pet Life Radio called When Animals Speak. I've not listened to her show. I think I'm going to have to after this one. And that brings me to my rant of the week. You search the internet for Animal Communicator and 190,000 listings come up. Expand that to Pet Psychic, you can choose from 394 listings. Now These folks call themselves, they hire themselves out to explain the varied mysteries of animals, both wild and domestic. Now, according to pet psychics, electromagnetic energy surrounds and penetrates everything in the universe. Well, maybe it does. And the pet psychics act like radio receivers tuned into the pet's frequency, whether the animal is living or dead. Pet psychics have books, TV shows, radio shows, consulting businesses, and they offer behavior advice, health diagnosis, treatment plans, grief counseling, even pet finder services. Just put your hand on the telephone or computer screen and the answers come to you. Transcriptions of your pet's innermost thoughts in his baby voice personality, all for a reasonable fee, of course. Give me a break! Now, I'm not saying the pet owners don't share an intimate and special connection to their individual animals and sometimes these experiences transcend understanding. I also personally know people whose uncanny understanding of animals blows me away. I'm going to talk to one of these folks here shortly. The animals do talk to them and vice versa, but telepathy? Listen, don't go away. There's more to say, and maybe you can use your mind power to guess what it is. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to
1: call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors.
3: Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick Dog Boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K dot com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K dot com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E to- pick. dot com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick. a b o n e- to- pick. dot com. Get ten percent off with coupon code PetLife.
4: Hey, all you dog stylists. Are you on the cutting edge of canine design and shaggy chic? Groomer Has It on Animal Planet is now casting for Season 2. Groomer Has It is looking for competitive dog stylists with amazing personalities to compete to become Animal Planet's top groomer. $50,000 grand prize for the winner, plus weekly compensation for all contestants during filming. If you have what it takes to be the top groomer, then audition for Groomer Has It today. For more information, contact Katherine at 310 727 Three 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 seven extension seven one two seven two or email rumorhasit at gmail Pet
3: Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters. Ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion. With a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to Pet Peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun.
2: Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. My featured guest, Beth Adelman, is a certified cat behavior consultant and a publishing professional. She currently writes the Cat Lady column for the Sunday New York Post. Beth is also the former editor-in-chief of Cats Magazine and Dog World. She's former managing editor of the AKC Gazette and she's won multiple awards from Dog Writers Association and Cat Writers Association. She's edited over 100 books about companion animals. Again, many of them are award winners. Currently, she's co-editor of the journal Animal Behavior Consulting, Theory and Practice. This is the official journal of the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Welcome to the show, Beth.
0: Thanks so much, Amy.
2: <laughs> Before we start out and get into the really uh, nitty-gritty of this, I'd like listeners to know a little bit more personally about you. What, what animals share your life and your heart?
0: Well, I currently have two cats, Yang Yang and Mei and um I grew up with a very wide variety of animals. We had German shepherds and also tropical fish, parakeets, gerbils, and hamsters. So I like all kinds of species. So
2: do Maybe and Yangang uh and the the German shepherds of the past, do any of these guys talk to you?
0: Well, I you know, I have had those that thing that you describe experiences that transcend understanding. But I have those experiences with my husband too. And it's not because I'm psychic or he is or my pets are, but I do think that when you live with any being day in and day out over a long period of time and love them and pay attention to them and they love and pay attention to you, you begin to to know things about them, to recognize things about their body language, their attitude, their tone of voice that you don't know about people that you don't know as well or animals that you don't know as well. And flashes of intuition are extremely powerful. And... By definition, intuition is an understanding that comes from someplace we don't know. And I think um, the more you live with and watch and love a being, the more intuition you have about them.
2: What's your experience with animal communicators? I mean, maybe we can share with listeners what prompted this show.
0: Well, I have never uh, taken my animal to an animal communicator. I will just tell you, though, I was uh, in New Orleans very recently for a veterinary conference, and I was with a friend of mine. Um, who had a tarot card reading, and psychic readings and tarot card readings are very popular in New Orleans, and the psychic who worked with her was in the same room with her and, in fact, touched her. And I'm not sure, I really have to say honestly, I'm not sure that anything that the psychic told her was anything she didn't know before, um, and I'm not prepared to say that the psychic actually was psychic, but I will at least say that when psychics work with people, They're always in the same room with you. A lot of them insist on physical contact. And I know a lot of animal communicators, you call them up on the phone, wherever they are. You can call them in Australia. And um, sometimes they need a picture of your cat. Sometimes they don't even need that. And um, I'm not sure... Why it is that psychics who work with animals think that they can work at distances of hundreds or thousands of miles, and psychics who work with people seem to think you need to be in the same room. So even if one believes in psychics, there seems to be a kind of strange discrepancy there.
2: Well, I know um, in some of these uh, police shows that we see, where the police have have exhausted all of their leads, and and they finally, well, at least in popular television fiction shows, they they will go to as a last resort a psychic who suddenly has these flashes and impressions of of running water or a bridge or, or whatever, and then they finally find the missing person. And so maybe maybe that's it's kind of a, a popular type of of idea popular folklore type of thing that's that 's feeding into this this whole thing
0: actually what I think it is that it 's a great way for animal psychics to expand um, the the area in which they do business you know if they say that they don 't need to be there, then you can call them from anywhere I think it just uh, it 's it's a good business proposition for them
2: wow so um, it, it does come down to bottom line i think with a i mean if i I could expand my my consulting business to you know far away and just kind of pull stuff out of a hat, I, I could be making a whole lot more money than I am.
0: Oh, me too. And I'll tell you something else, because I have a friend who tells me that I should change my the name of what I do. I'm an animal behavior consultant and change it to saying that I'm an animal communicator and do the exact same thing. He said, when you go into a house and you interview the people and you look at the situation with the cats and you observe them and you take a history and all of that, you come to a conclusion, let's say it's a litter box problem, and you say... My conclusion is that Fluffy's not using the litter box because it's down in the basement and it's dark and smelly down there and he doesn't want to go there. He said, you can just as easily say, I had a conversation with Fluffy and he told me he doesn't want to go down in the basement because it's dark <laughs> and scary. He said, you'd be doing the exact same work, but, it, but you'd be describing it differently and could charge more money.
2: Well, actually, when I did this, this uh, search on the Internet and came up with these 394,000 listings, there were some folks in there that were calling themselves behavior consultants, and then I think the search engines, they were just marketing savvy and had plugged this in, and they're coming up on the communicator psychic list as well. So I think that's really – uh Something, something to think about. We are, as consultants, veterinary behaviorists, uh, animal behavior consultants, anyone in the animal field, veterinarians themselves, even if they don't call them themselves a communicator, have to have some sort of connection and be savvy about animal behavior and how the animal tells you they're in pain or they don't feel well. I mean, diarrhea is a communication of the body.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there certainly are ways that that animals communicate with us and ways we communicate with them and ways that we can make ourselves more open to understanding what they're trying to tell us. Um, I don't happen to think that electromagnetic energy is one of them.
2: Okay. What about anthropomorphization? I mean, a lot of the pet psychics that I hear about or read about do tend to want to assign human emotions and motivations to these behaviors. The dog is barking or he bit the mailman because uh, in a former life uh, he was a mailman and doesn't like the job. You know, who knows why these things are going on, but why... Uh, what is the problem with this? Is there a problem with saying, you know, the cat's jealous or, or the dog is feeling lonely? Uh, does some of this work? Some of it's not accurate? What's the problem with that?
0: Well, the problem is that that um, we, we then attribute human uh, motivations to our animals, and it causes us to misunderstand what their motivation truly is. And The most common example of that is a problem that I get called for a lot, and I'm sure you do too, which is in cats, inappropriate urination, urinating outside the litter box. And I have to say that I've had a couple of clients who had that problem and they called me after they spoke to an animal communicator, which first tells you that the animal communicator was not able to solve their problem. Right. But in every case, the animal communicator said, Well, Fluffy told me he's doing this because he's angry at you for some reason or other. And what that does is it causes the person to think that their cat is being spiteful and angry, behaving in an aggressive and angry way, when in fact, when cats urinate outside the litter box, they're expressing either physical discomfort or emotional discomfort or a combination of both. And by assuming the cat is being angry and spiteful, we fail to address the real reason for the problem. And that's a way of anthropomorphizing because, let's face it, if I went to your house and instead of peeing in the bathroom, I peed on your couch, that would be a very aggressive act on my part. I'd be angry and spiteful and aggressive. That's what, that would be the human emotion and that would be a very accurate way to describe it. But cats are not humans and different things motivate them. And for instance, inappropriate elimination, as we said, is often an expression of physical discomfort. It's often uh, a comfort seeking behavior that the cat is stressed out and they're often urinating on something that smells like their owner to kind of mix their smells so that they feel comforted. And if you don't recognize the physical and emotional stress in your cat because you think he's being spiteful, you can't address the problem. I, I had one client said to me, well, the animal communicator said Sparky is, is because he's angry at me that that I brought in this new couch. And I said, well, then why don't you just have the animal communicator tell him to stop doing that? And she said, (laughs) oh, well, she said she can't convince him. Uh And I have to say that when I went there, what I saw was um, uh, something that smelled unusual, that was in a different place than before. The cat was just extremely stressed out about um, the different placement. And there had also been other changes in the household. The woman's boyfriend had moved in. A lot of other things had, had happened. And the cat wasn't coping well with change and was trying to take this thing that smelled unfamiliar and make it smell familiar. We made a lot of behavioral changes in the household, and the cat stopped eliminating inappropriately without me having to actually have a conversation with him.
2: And see, this is so common in when it actually is a behavior issue, but it frightens me even more for somebody to offer this type of inappropriate advice when the cat or the dog is is eliminating, and it's a physical cause, as you say, perhaps you know, you're blaming the dog for being spiteful when he has a urinary tract infection and he can't help it. Or the cat has early stage renal disease and the kidneys are failing and you're not getting appropriate veterinary care that could actually prolong your cat's life. Instead, you're blaming the cat, possibly even tossing him out to a shelter uh, because. The animal communicator says he's mad and I can't convince him.
0: And that's exactly right. I mean, and you also have situations because so many people in America we know have more than one cat. The average cat owner has more than two cats where someone will think it's the brown cat who's eliminating when actually it's the white cat. But the animal communicator, often what they do is confirm what you think because... They don't really know. So if you say, I think it's the brown one, they'll say, yeah, I had a talk with him, and it is him, and it turns out it's the other one, and so the other one never has their issues addressed at all. I've also had situations where people have cats and dogs, and they assume it's the cat eliminating inappropriately, and the animal communicator, in fact, tells them that that's so, and it turns out that it's the dog. So they're targeting (laughs) the wrong animal.
2: Okay, well, we're going to take a short break and continue our discussion when we come back after these messages from our sponsors
1: okay time to call off the dogs pet peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors
4: Fluff your feathers, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September September 28th at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to louisvillepetexpo.com. Greetings, human. What planet? Especially the animals that live with us. Have you ever wondered if your pet could speak? What would they tell us? Join pet communicator Erica Alexander as Pet Life Radio presents When Animals Speak. Step inside the mind of your pet on When Animals Speak. Every week on demand in iTunes and on PetLifeRadio.com
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves (laughs) so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun.
2: We're back and again speaking with Beth Edelman. Now Beth volunteers as a cat behavior consultant with Project Safety Net in New York City. This is a program designed to keep cats with behavior issues in their adoptive homes. Beth's also been a speaker at the annual Cat Writers Association professional conference and is a frequent radio guest on a number of different shows. She has also done seminars for the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, Pet Sitters International, and the Cat Fanciers Association at their big cat show in Madison Square Gardens. You might also want to take a look at her great book called Every Cat's Survival Guide to Living with a Neurotic Owner. This is from Main Street Books. It's a multiple award winner, and I think she channeled her cats when she was writing it. So, But, uh, Beth, I just want to play devil's advocate here just for a minute. We've, we've talked before about some of the problems that you can run into getting the wrong advice. But, you know, if people want to dial up a pet psychic and they have the cash to splurge, Is there really any harm if it's kind of a harmless foible? I mean, if the pet has passed on and they're looking to uh, maybe communicate with Fluffy, who they they adored?
0: I think there's no harm in that. And certainly if you want to know what Fluffy's favorite color is or that kind of thing, you know, and you have the money and you're in for some fun, I mean, I sort of see that as the same as, as getting your tarot cards read. The problem is that a lot of people go to animal communicators to deal with behavior issues and, really scary, to deal with health issues. And that really does scare me because I think that stops the the animal from getting the appropriate care that they need. So absolutely, if you want to find out, you know, does Sparky like the blue sheets or the red sheets, do they prefer, (laughs) you know, the the three-tier cat tree or the four-tier cat tree and you want to ask an animal communicator, go right ahead. But when your animal has a real behavioral or physical problem, they need to see someone who is trained specifically to deal with that area.
2: Now, I know that uh, in looking at some of the folks just very quickly that came up on my Google search, a lot of these folks do have backgrounds. They're, they're psychologists or they, uh, they worked in the veterinary profession for a while. Uh, maybe they don't have a degree, but uh, you know they were uh, like myself. I started out working as a veterinary technician, and, and then I went on and studied further. But so a lot of these folks do have some expertise. Some of them probably are helping. But how do you tell the difference?
0: Well, you can't tell the difference, and that's the problem. That's the problem is that you can't tell the difference. I have to say that I have some clients I've had have also told me that they've spoken to animal communicators who I always ask, what did the communicator tell you? And it sounds to me like what the communicator told them was basic behavior advice, and that's fine. um, But I'm always a little suspicious of people who are giving the right advice but saying that it came from a place that didn't really come from, that always makes me feel a little bit uneasy. I have to say, I mean, I, I think it's obvious now that I really don't believe that people can have mental conversations with animals. And that's because we know we know a lot about how the brains of animals are structured. We certainly don't know what they think, but we know a lot about how their brains are structured. We know how much of their brain, for instance, and I'll use cats as an example because I know this best. We know how much of their brain is devoted to processing visual information, how much is devoted to processing sound information and taste and smell. We know how much of their brain is devoted to controlling movement in their bodies. And so we know how much of their brain is devoted to higher cognitive thinking. And and because we know all of these things, we know, for instance, that, the instance that they can process movement and visual information much more rapidly than we can. That being the case, they perceive the entire world completely differently than we do. And I've studied this a lot, and much as I try, and as well as I've studied this information, I cannot imagine what my cat sees or hears, because I can never see or hear in that way. And a lot of what we think about, a lot of what all thinking beings think about has to do with the way we process the world around us. And because animals process the world differently, each species in their own unique way based on their needs, none of them think the way we do. And so the idea of carrying on a a psychic conversation in English is just not possible.
2: It makes absolute sense, and uh, a lot of the, the pet psychics will say that they talk to the animals in pictures, and to me that makes a little bit more sense if you want to believe in certain types of animal communication that go beyond the norm. Talking in pictures, in fact, Temple Grandin had a a wonderful book about her perceptions as an autistic person and how she thought that might also relate to animals. So that's a concept that I can sort of wrap my mind around, and I don't totally personally discount. There may be some people out here, that do have a special, unique ability and can communicate on some sort of a realm that, that we can't really measure, describe. I don't believe that all 394,000 people on Google have that ability. So
0: I think also I, when you think about animals thinking in pictures, and I, I read Temple Grandin's book, and it's a, it's a very, very plausible idea. The way, the pictures that they would have would have to be different though, because yes. for instance we know that cats see fewer colors than we do, but they process motion better than we do, and we also know that a lot of their picture of the world is formed through smell, an enormous amount of the picture of their world, in fact, is formed through smell, and so they would be thinking in smell pictures, but they would be smells that we cannot process. So how we ad- would yes, we have a conversation? Exactly.
2: The same would be true of wild animals who we may not even know exactly how they process their world. Uh, There may, for instance, how do you tell somebody who is blind, how do you describe the color red? It's the same sort of thing. So while I can say that there is a possibility out there that this ability might, in certain instances, be there, and some people have the ability to tap into it. And certainly, our cats and our dogs and horses and gerbils and giraffes and all of the critters out there, they may actually be sending us messages constantly. I know that we aren't picking them all up.
0: Oh, and that's definitely true. And I know that there have been a lot of studies done with all, a wide variety of species that where there's an enormous amount of evidence that the animals are communicating with each other but in ways that the researchers cannot see or or describe in any way. There have been some classic studies done with chimpanzees where one chimpanzee in an enclosure has a piece of information, and when the other chimpanzees come into the enclosure, they very quickly act in ways that show that they also know that information. But the researchers can't observe how the information was conveyed. That doesn't mean it wasn't, because obviously it was. But the fact that they're communicating, and it might be psychic or it might be through body language or it might be through olfactory signals or it might be through sounds on, on a, a wavelength that we don't hear. We don't know how they communicate but we know they do. They communicate with each other in lots of different ways and they may communicate with us in different ways too. It's not necessarily vibrational energy and it's certainly not between me sitting here in New York and someone sitting in Wisconsin, which I know happens with animal communicators. It's something where people are in the same place and in the same room and having some interaction. I also think it's a mistake to underestimate the intensity of intuition, and I do think that some people have better intuition than others. I think that's true of people, too, that there are certain people, some of them work as as therapists, who have an uncanny ability to grasp what other people are trying to say, what they're trying to convey, but based on a wide variety of cues in their body and their tone of voice, some of which you're not even aware of. You're processing all of these subconsciously. That's really what intuition is, and I think some people have amazing intuition. They really have a talent for it, and I think that is true when they're looking at animals or when they're looking at people.
2: This is just fascinating, and I'm really pleased you had the time to talk. Now, what resources would you recommend for people who are looking for behavior advice? Of course, for veterinary care, you know, the physical problems, go to your veterinarian. Ask for second opinions if, if you aren't satisfied. But for behavior advice, Beth, where are some resources people can go?
0: Well, uh, the Ohio State uh, University Veterinary School has a great site called the Indoor Cat Initiative. Was written by the behaviorist there, and it's all about how to take care of your indoor cat and keep him happy. There's a lot of great information on behavior. The website is www.vet.ohio-state.edu/slash indoorcat.com. It's sometimes easier to just go to a search engine and type in the Indoor Cat Initiative than try to remember that big website, and if you type it in, it'll come up. We'll make Um, sure that
2: that goes on the show.
0: The other thing is if if you have a a behavior problem with your animal, you can also uh, look to uh, get a certified consultant to work with you. The International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants certifies consultants to work with people with cats, dogs, horses, and parrots, and the website is www dot org.
2: Great. And we'll make sure that both of those websites and information are on uh, Beth's guest page on uh, PetLifeRadio.com. Now, we are out of time, unfortunately, but uh, I'd like to thank Beth Edelman as well as the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare listeners, you join me next week for Pet Peeves. And if you're a pet telepath or a communicator, I'm happy to give you equal time. Just drop me an email, send suggestions, or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. For free behavior and care tips without the telepathy, though, check out the new Pet Peeves newsletter available from Shajai.com woofs and purrs until next time I'll give your furry wonders a pat for me because we don't want them to get peeved
1: that's it you're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not gonna take it anymore your feathers are ruffled your dander is up and you've got a definite bone to pick